Hello and welcome to the She Reads Truth podcast. She Reads Truth creates beautiful, accessible Bible reading plans and resources to help you get into God's Word every day. Each week here on the podcast, we talk about what we're going to read together as a community this week. I'm your host, Rachel Myers. I'm your other host, Amanda Bible Williams, and this is week four of our five-week series called The Genealogy of Jesus, God's Loyalty from Generation to Generation. And our guest today is Elisa Morgan. Elisa speaks, she writes, she co-hosts the God Hears Her podcast and Discover the Word for our Daily Bread Ministries. She served as the MOPS International President for 20 years. Wow. Thank you for that, Elisa. I know a lot of us have benefited from the work of MOPS over the years. Yeah, She's written a ton of books. She's just a person who loves to minister to other people. And you'll hear that come through in this episode, that like we need each other. And we have so much to learn from these stories that we're reading this week from Scripture. And so it was such a joy to have Elisa with us. Let's get right to it. Well, before we hit record, Amanda, you dubbed this Humanity Wednesday (laughs) because we've had a rough start getting started because we indeed, the three of us, are humans. We Um, are deeply, deeply human. (laughs) But I I like it because I feel like like this episode, we're recorded on a Wednesday, but I like that because like we're about to read about a whole mess of humanity. This week. Yes. Correct. <laughs> oh, yes. Lisa, I'm so glad you're with us this week for this Humanity Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Welcome. Oh, yeah. Gosh. Welcome to the She Reads Truth podcast. Yeah, I so yeah. relate to this group of people we're going to be looking at. Oh, I mean, what a mess. Yes, I'm right there. Yeah. <laughs> we all, and we all raise our hands. So last week, we had Angie Smith as a guest on the podcast, and we talked about five stories of men and women in the Old Testament who are in the genealogy of Jesus and kind of concluded with two days on David and Bathsheba and their stories, which lead us, of course, today to none other than King Solomon. Yeah, what stood out to you in this group of kings? We have mm-hmm. all kings this week, mm-hmm. right? That all we're kings. reading about. The royal week. Some are familiar and some are not. And, you know, I just want to come straight up and say, I'm kind of a, a repeat learner where it comes to the Old Testament. I mean, I grew up in church, but it was a kind of a mm, different kind of church. I mean, more, I don't know, we didn't really study the Bible, if you can imagine, but it, it was a precious church. Hmm. But when I went to seminary in my Old Testament classes, that's where I met my husband. And I did not pay attention. (laughs) So I just want to be straight up honest. All all of my notes in my margins would be like, you're so cute. And, you know, where do you want to go for lunch? And therefore, I came away from Old Testament just kind of like, duh, you know. So I have to really (laughs) buckle down when I'm reading the Old Testament. And I get out some cheat sheets, like some resources that will like help me understand the, the big picture, the arc of the story of Scripture especially of the Old Testament. And here's the history, because I didn't grow up with it. So I just want to say that up front for anybody who's listening and feels kind of like, I don't know what this stuff is about, (laughs) and I can't pronounce these names, and I can't keep them straight. I'm right with you, and you are safe. Join our club. And we're going to figure this out together. Yeah. 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 So what stood out to me, and I hope we all really do this, is keep the big picture in mind. Amen. And that really is Isaiah 7, verse 14. Therefore, Mm. the Lord himself will give you a sign. See, the virgin will Mm -hmm. conceive, have a son, and name him Emmanuel. So as we're looking at all of these kings, 
some good, some mixed, some horrific. Mm-hmm. We're going to see yeah. that God redeemed their worst choices and their best choices for his choice for us. And that mm. is just so powerful and so encouraging. When I get up on Humanity Wednesday or Humanity Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, you know, all of those humanity days, <laughs> and I go about my humanity, I just hold on to that truth that I really can't mess it all up. He's got it. That's He's right. got it. The true king has got it. Wow. That's Amen. a good word. Well, this has been another episode yeah. of the Sugar Tree Podcast. <laughs> I feel like that is exactly what, it's what my heart needed to hear yeah. this morning, Elisa, yeah. because that's something that mm-hmm. struck me as I was reading about these kings was, first of all, you know, we've been so, we've talked a lot about how gracious it is of the Lord and also surprising mm-hmm. that He would include just the mess of humans yeah. <laughs> and the, these individual <laughs> stories that are just full of circumstances that are hard and full of, you know, decisions that aren't great and full of desires that are just wrongly acted upon mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. misdirected and that he would include those stories, not only in scripture, mm-hmm. but even in the lineage of Jesus, the son, the mm-hmm. Messiah. Mm-hmm. And I think it's equally surprising that he would include kings, mm-hmm. really bad kings. Like you think of like, like oh, real ki- bad. Yeah, like yeah. a kingly lineage. We're like, oh, well, sure, a king should come from kings. Yeah. But these kings right. are, like mm-hmm. you said, they're a mess. Yeah. And so I just found myself being surprised mm-hmm. that they were there. <laughs> Absolutely. We've got Solomon, who was kind of a mixed bag, and we can talk more about mm-hmm. him. But, you know, he's David's son by Bathsheba, so that's a mess, but mm-hmm. beautiful. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he wants wisdom, but he ends up letting his heart splinter away by marrying a bunch of wives from other countries. And it's very clear, Scripture will say that, you know, because he married wives from other countries, his heart mm-hmm. got split, which is so yeah. fascinating to look at. You know, when, when I make an allegiance to something that doesn't love my God, mm-hmm. how does my heart get split away? And I've been thinking about, I love to spend time with non-believers. I love believers, but I love to spend time with non-believers because my passion is that they too know how much God loves them. But Solomon's choice, as I was spending time reading his choices to intermarry, if you will, I thought, ooh, am I keeping a watch out? You know, it's not like, you know, the boogeyman mm-hmm. Satan's going to be out there and grab me, but am I being wise? You know, Solomon asked for wisdom. It was the main thing he wanted from God, wisdom. Mm-hmm. God grants it to him. And yet, did he apply that wisdom? Did he apply that wisdom in terms of what he did with himself and all the choices that he made? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. And you think about like that, I read, kind of reread that story about him intermarrying this morning. And the thing that like, I think that something that we've learned as readers of scripture is to kind of like, okay, dig into like, the whole picture, like read that whole story, Mm -hmm. you know? So what we know is that it wasn't because these young women were different nationalities. Like, I mean, we read last week about Boaz marrying Ruth, you know, who was a Moabite. It's not a race issue, no. But who did Ruth, but yeah, but who did Ruth worship? 
the God of Israel, Yahweh, yeah. right? And so like this caution that the Lord has given repeatedly to the people of Israel has been like, reflect me to the nations, don't reflect the nations <laughs> to me, yeah. you know? And so, yeah. and, and then the other thing is just like, we know as readers of Old Testament narrative that it is not okay, even though we see like King Solomon with his 1,000 wives, well, 700 wives, 300 concubines, he stepped out of God's design for marriage, like mm-hmm. times mm-hmm. 1,000 is what he did. Like if God's design for marriage was one man and one woman, and he multiplied that by 1,000, that was not going to like return well for him. Mm. And Scripture tells us, like yeah. Scripture says that he like that they pulled his heart and they turned his heart away mm-hmm. is what yeah. verse 3 says. And I was really struck by the very next part of that verse, to these women, Solomon was deeply attached in yeah. love. Mm. Yeah. That is yeah. so strong, so vivid. Yes, and and I know what that I mean, if you think about the things in our lives that pull our hearts away, that we're deeply attached and in love with, you know, we don't think of them as bad things. I mean, we're deeply in, attached and in love with our children. You know, we're deeply right. attached mm-hmm. and in love with our grandchildren. We're deeply attached and in love with the ministries that God's called us to and the people we serve alongside. We're deeply attached to extended family members. That's not wrong. But as you said, mm-hmm. when it turns our heart away to follow another mm-hmm. God or to put something in place of God, you know, He wants us to be deeply attached and in love with Him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I like the adjective, the wholehearted, like they are called to be wholeheartedly, I guess that's an adverb, Mm -hmm. you know, devoted to to Yahweh, to the Lord. You know, throughout all of these kings, you see the thread that God Mm -hmm. wants to pull our hearts towards the love relationship that was modeled by David. That's our Mm -hmm. forerunner of Jesus. You know, that's what he longs for us. And you see it threaded through. If you will have the heart of David, if you will keep my Mm -hmm. commands the way David did. Now, David wasn't perfect. We know that. He made a lot of mistakes. But the heart direction, the heart commitment, you know, the Mm -hmm. being deeply attached to God in love, David modeled that. And that's what I think our, our God so longs. You know, we go on and look at some of the other kings that are in the list and the genealogy and talk about being gross. <laughs> I mean, I it's just, it's, it's amazing. I mean, there's mm-hmm. one who sacrifices his son. There's one who, mm-hmm. who creates mm-hmm. golden calves, just like yeah. the Israelites did when Moses was up on Mount Sinai. Then another one sacrifices his son. They raise up Asherah mm-hmm. poles in the high places. They, mm-hmm. right. I mean, it's they do yeah. witchcraft yeah. And, and rituals, and it just goes on and on and on. And then when, when one king writes the world, as in Hezekiah, then his mm-hmm. son will undo it. And you think, how in the world, or his descendant will undo it? How in the world can they watch each other? Some of them actually overlapped in serving, right. where mm-hmm. a son would observe his father's unfaithfulness and then choose to be faithful. And you think, how in the world mm-hmm. can this continue? Yeah. And yet yeah. God seemed to use it all. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, like, I going back to like even like the narrative in chapter three 
on day 22, like that, like the starting stories about Solomon and how it like, it opens up where he's like, I'm the king now. And so he's like mm-hmm. having like, he's like offering these sacrifices, like you said, at least like on the high places. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the Lord comes to him and it's just like, what do you, what do you need? What do you want? And he asks for wisdom. We know the story. And then he offers right offerings. Like you see that like one, two, three step of I'm offering offerings in the wrong way, sacrifices in the wrong way. The Lord gives me wisdom. And then he's offering, and then it says like down in verse 15, then he like, then he stood before the Ark of the Lord's covenant and offered burnt offerings there and fellowship offerings. But mm-hmm. like that middle step, I so often or for so much of my life have thought about that as Solomon's story. Like, well, the Lord asked Solomon what he wanted, and Solomon chose right. Solomon chose to ask for wisdom. Good job. And like, way to go, Solomon. (laughs) But it's not always occurred to me that I can do that too. Mm. In fact, Scripture tells us to do that. It invites us to like, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask for it. Then when I look at this story of like, where in my life am I maybe offering sacrifices in the wrong way or like not aligning with what God has for me? Then like, am I asking for wisdom? Like if I'm invited to do that, like mm-hmm. I want to do that more. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> right? Like yeah. every day I want to wake up and go like, Lord, that you would give me wisdom, even like a fraction of the wisdom that you gave to Solomon. Like mm-hmm. give that to me. And then it makes me want to go forward with like, show me how to offer Right sacrifices, like if my body is a show living. Show me how to worship. How, show me how to worship is exactly yeah. right, Amanda. Yeah. Yeah, when you were sharing that, Rachel, about I want to ask for wisdom more, I thought, and not just when I'm desperate. Right, right. <laughs> like, but just always. Always. Like, and then always. you, that's, you know, that you're like, that's so true, Elisa, that we just like, I mm-hmm. assume I've got it. Yeah. Like, yeah. hey, I'm wise yeah. enough. Yeah. Sure. Well, I've and got not enough only oil. because scripture yeah. tells us. And yeah, right. not only because scripture tells us to ask for it, but it promises like right. that when we ask for it, that it'll be given to so us. So why wouldn't we? So why wouldn't great we? Ask question, for it? Great question, Rachel. Great question. On this Humanity Wednesday. <laughs> why wouldn't we ask for it? Why wouldn't we? Hey, friends, taking a quick break from this conversation to say happy anniversary to the She Reads Truth community. This year, we are celebrating 11 years in God's Word. And of course, to celebrate our anniversary, we always like to do a little bit of a sale this year, starting Monday, June 26th through Monday, July 3rd, while supplies last, you can get an exclusive She Reads Truth trucker hat for only $15 when you purchase any study book or legacy book. Y'all, okay, these snapback hats are super cute. They're black all the way around with the word truth printed in white across the front. Perfect as like that go-to summer accessory. I know I'll be wearing mine. So here's how you do it. Go to shopshereadstruth.com slash anniversary. And of course, we'll put this link in the show notes as well. But you just add one study book, at least one study book or legacy book. It can be physical or digital to your cart and then add a hat to your cart and the discount will automatically be applied. So you don't have to worry about that. Super easy. That's shopshereadstruth.com slash anniversary. And y'all, happy 11 years of being women in the Word of God every day. Okay, friends, our next reading plan starts July 10th, and you're going to want to mark your calendar because we are reading the book of Romans together. 
We are going to explore the gospel message of Jesus Christ, how it removes barriers, unifies believers, and shapes our everyday life, because it is the message of hope and salvation through Jesus. So whether you've never read the book of Romans or you've read it a hundred times, we invite you to join us. The study book is available in the shop. That is the very best way to experience these reading plans together. We put all of the scripture in the book, including the complimentary passages that we read each day so that scripture can interpret scripture. There are extras in the book to help you understand what you're reading, and then there's room to interact with what you're reading. And we also invite you to gather your family around God's Word or your friends. We have she and he bundles and family bundles, and it's so powerful to walk through these studies in in in-person community. So we invite you to do that. There's also a 12-card set. There's so much good stuff, you guys. Go to shopshereadstruth.com slash Romans to grab your study book today. June 29th is the last day to order with standard shipping and get everything in your hands before the plan starts on July 10th. So come read the book of Romans with us. Shopshereadstruth.com slash Romans. So this week we read about Solomon. We read about Rehoboam, Solomon's mm-hmm. son who was king after him. Guys, we really hit some some big ones. Ahaz. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. who's next? Hezekiah? Yeah, and then Manasseh. Yeah. And then Manasseh. Mm. So you see this kind of pendulum swing. Yeah. You do. Between yeah. good Truly. to bad to good to bad. And, and again, I'm so shocked. You know, here Solomon is we dub him the wisest king, you know, the wisest man, mm-hmm. we often dub him. His well, son, that. Rehoboam, mm-hmm. who followed him, is just completely goofball. I mean, he, when it's time for him to become yeah. king, he consults with the elders about what to do. And now we're in Second Chronicles chapter 10. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He consults with the elders and they say, well, you know, if you're going to be kind to people and please them by speaking kind words, they'll be your servants forever. And then he turns from the elders and he asks the young bucks, you know, the guys yeah. that yeah. he grew up with who are not as schooled. And they say, oh, no, the you know, wag your yeah. finger, use your machoism, mm-hmm. show them what you're made of and put down a hard yoke on them with barbed whips and, you know, be the bad king, you know. And so he doesn't listen to the elders. He listens to the young guys. But aren't you shocked that here's Solomon, yeah. his dad, goes and asks God for wisdom. This guy, Rehoboam, doesn't talk to God at all. He doesn't ask God right. for anything. He asks all the people yeah. for stuff. Yeah. And so he really blows it and becomes just incredibly mean because he doesn't yeah. ask God at all. And you think about this against the backdrop of the the series. You know, we're talking about the genealogy of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And like even like reading day 23's title, Rehoboam, who burdened God's people. Mm. Like this is one of the the men, one of the kings in Jesus's family line. Yeah. Right? Doing the opposite of what a king should do. Doing the opposite of what the totally. a king should do. Doing the opposite of what Jesus did. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. In fact, he's doing what Jesus got so mad at the Pharisees about. That's what he's doing. Yes. He's making yes. it so much harder to know God, to worship God, to ask of God. And you know, mm-hmm. that's what Jesus his heart breaks over is the injusticeness. When power is abused, you know, it really affects the powerless. 
And that's what you see Mm -hmm. here, the abuse of power, abusing those who aren't given power, and it's Mm going to create more and more abuse. I think that's the thing that truly breaks God's heart. I mean, you think about, you know, when we get to the New Testament, when Jesus goes and cleanses the temple, and I think often when I read that story, I think about, like, that he's reacting to that present moment. But, like, as we read these stories in the Old Testament, like, I know that Jesus knows all of those stories in that moment. And, like, to think about that he's reacting to, like, thousands of years of moments and kings and, like, oppression and leaders making it hard for God's people to know him. Right? Yes. There's just so much more weight behind Jesus' reaction in the temple when you think Mm -hmm. about it in the context of him knowing everything. Yes. And holding that kingship, that ultimate kingship. Yeah. And he is the model of it. You know, David's heart was the foreshadowing of it, you know, but Jesus from the line of David Mm -hmm. with all of these bizarre branches Mm -hmm. and twisting trunks. Mm He is saying, that's not how God intended it. Yeah. That's not how it's supposed to be. Even Rehoboam finally humbled himself. We see in the Lord's anger turned away from him, and he didn't destroy him completely. But, you know, it's kind of like, this is what happens. I mean, we're talking about this pendulum swing. So Mm -hmm. we have Solomon, who is a mixed bag as a king, even though he's the wisest man. And then Rehoboam starts out horrific, but he turns back to God. And yet still there's issues. And you're going to see the next one. It continues with Ahaz. Finally, he's so bad that we get the promise of an ultimate king coming through here. As we look at Isaiah, and that's how we started our conversation today from chapter 7, is that, you know, God's pretty clear. These guys are never going to get it right. You know, I'm going to be providing the one who will get it right for us all. That's something that struck me in reading that this week was all kings. Mm-hmm. Is like, oh, human kings do not have ultimate power. Yeah. Never have, never will. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And to see just how far mm-hmm. so many of them were from the heart of God and that God can redeem even that. I mean, mm-hmm. Ahaz, two things about Ahaz that stood out to me. One was that he plundered the temple. <laughs> like for the sake of his, you know, reign and kingdom. I, what could be? Mm. So many things are offensive to the mm-hmm. heart of God. Sin is offensive to the heart of God, but this feels so personal. Yeah, to defile the temple and the sacred space in that way, even to his father David and his father Solomon. Like, yeah, like that. Like these men who like built the temple to honor the Lord. Yes, and I truly, this is the first time <laughs> that I can recall in my years of Bible reading, that I connected the dots that that prophecy from Isaiah 7, the Emmanuel prophecy, came to Ahaz. Yeah. I just didn't. And and that's who he was. Like, that's the type of king that he was. Like, I just, the Lord's pursuit of his people Mm -hmm. and his making a way for the restoration and redemption of all things Mm -hmm. is stunning because... Mm -hmm. Goodness. Add to that, who else do you remember way back in the the story of God who's asked to sacrifice their son? Abraham Abraham. and Isaac. Mm -hmm. And Abraham is willing to obey God's command to do so, but God provides the lamb. Here's Ahaz. God's not asking him to sacrifice his son. And Ahaz 
provides the son. In the face of that backdrop, God speaks this word of prophecy. I will provide my son. You know, this Mm -hmm. is my provision throughout the ages. Don't take this into your own hands. Smooch, you know, yeah. you, you don't have this. Mm-hmm. Let me mm-hmm. show you how to do this. And you're right. Even as horrific mm-hmm. as he was, even there, God could provide a way out. Wow. I mean, I, I, I'm i with you, Amanda, that Isaiah chapter 7, like, I hadn't made that full connection yet. That, Like, it even says in verse 10 of chapter 7, Then the Lord spoke again to Ahaz, Ask for a sign from the Lord your God. It can be as deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. Mm. But Ahaz replied, I will not ask. I will not test the Lord. And then Isaiah said— As if he hadn't already. Uh, yes, <laughs> I will not test the Lord. Oh, cool. Yeah, what right? a noble guy. Right? right? Sounds really, and then really it says, super spiritual. Yeah. <laughs> what a guy. And then Isaiah said, Listen, house of David, is it not enough for you to try the patience of men? Will you also try the patience of my God? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. See, the virgin will conceive and have a son and name him Emmanuel. That's Which the context God for that with verse. us. Yeah. Which yeah. means God That's with us. Mm. <laughs> That's gorgeous. Wow. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. For those of you that have a study book in your possession right now, I would be remiss not to point out that there is on pages 128 and 129, I love this, that our team put this together. In the middle of this book about the genealogy of Jesus, a like a craft about plant propagation. Like it just feels it. like, I mean, especially as like the gardener in the room, like mm-hmm. I love, I don't know, Lisa, if you're a gardener as well, but it it's so cool to me that we're talking about grafting or how God grew Jesus' family tree. And we're getting to like rehearse the gospel a little bit <laughs> by propagating plants. I love it. I love this illustration of propagation of the the roots and the and the growing because there is newness in each mm-hmm. shoot. Yeah. And it gives us hope Amen. and it helps us move beyond what's at face value in our family trees. Mm. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's good. Which like turns the page for us to King Hezekiah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, I mean, we just talked a minute ago about Jesus cleansing the temple. Did he have in mind these like evil kings who were desecrating the Lord's temple? But then like you see about Hezekiah in in Second Chronicles 29, like in the first year of his reign in the first month. He opened the doors of the Lord's temple and repaired them. He brought in the priests and the Levites. Like, and it goes on, like, remove everything impure from the holy place. Like, he just, like, he restores proper worship. And it just, like, I just think about him as an ancestor of Jesus and, like, that Jesus also is getting to, like, I don't know if Jesus is imaging Mm -hmm. him or if he's pre-imaging Jesus, but, like, Mm -hmm. this, like, restoring proper worship in God's Mm -hmm. temple. Mm -hmm. It's such a beautiful connection. And it's so hopeful, you know, as we were just saying that if you look at 2 Kings 18, Mm -hmm. in the third year of Israel's king Hosea, son of Elah, Hezekiah, son of Ahaz, wait, 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 son of Ahaz, the big bad loser. Okay, king of Judah. He was 25 years old, and he reigned 29 years. And it goes on, he did, verse 3, he did what was right in the Lord's sight, just as his ancestor Mm -hmm. David had done. And then verse 5, he relied on the Lord God. He kept the commands. And how hopeful is this? I mean, some commentators say that he co-reigned with Ahaz, his dad, his evil king dad, Hmm. For eight years. And you think, what did he see? 
he saw all of this yeah. horrific worship and mm. high places. And so, of course, as you just pointed out, Rachel, he brings down these altars. In the face of that, he removes the high places. He shatters the sacred pillars. He cuts mm. down the Asherah poles. He broke into pieces the bronze snake that Moses had made. Yeah. He just shatters it all. And then he leads the people forward. And, oh, I love this. This is over in Second mm. Chronicles 29. He tells the leaders to consecrate themselves, and to consecrate the temple. So Hezekiah is a ruler who doesn't just get himself right, doesn't just Mm -hmm. get the temple right, he gets the leaders Mm -hmm. back on track. And that is, I mean, talk about great leadership, you know, the modeling, the, the equipping, the whole Rick Warren, God equips the called, he doesn't call the equipped, Mm -hmm. you know, that's what Hezekiah is doing here. He's equipping the call. He's he's writing the priest and the Levites who's been set aside, polluted. He gets them back on track, yeah. which you're going to look at how to leave a legacy and how to change that family tree. That's what you want to do. Yeah. I mean, I look at right the end of our section from chapter 29, you know, after he has like brought in the priests and the Levites, then he's saying to them in verse 10, it's in my heart now to make a covenant with the Lord, the God of Israel, so that his burning anger may turn away from us. My sons, don't be negligent now, for the Lord has chosen you to stand in his presence, to serve him and to be his ministers and burners of incense. And anytime I hear like, instructions like this to the Levites, to the priests Mm -hmm. of Israel, I pay attention because what we know from Peter, like that we are a royal priesthood. We Like now being grafted into the family and like having the indwelling of the spirit, like we are these temples. And so I see that as like the Lord has chosen you to stand in his presence, (laughs) to serve him and to be his ministers Mm -hmm. and burners of incense. Like I love paying attention to these instructions to Mm -hmm. the priests because I want to be a part of that priesthood. That's gorgeous. That's gorgeous. A royal nation, a holy priesthood, mm-hmm. a people after God's own heart. That's that's Amen. awesome. Yeah. But alas, <laughs> that happens. Hezekiah's <laughs> there. And then our week of readings ends with Manasseh, encourager of evil. Oh my gosh. He encourager in, he reinstituted. Of evil. Yeah. Can you imagine? I mean, that's your legacy? Yeah. In fact, he has the longest reign of any king in the North or the South, again, partnering with his dad, how did that affect him? Because in the genealogy, you know, there's a couple other names and we're not looking at every single one of them. So it's not like a direct, but still, he's 12 years old when he becomes king and he reigns 55 years. He rebuilds the high places that his father Hezekiah destroyed and he reestablished the altars for Baal. In verse 6, of Second Kings, he too sacrificed his son in the fire. He practiced witchcraft and divination, consulted mediums and spiritists, and here's yes. it. He did a huge amount of evil in the Lord's sight. Angry I know. Him. I think about Jesus talking about when you heap laws or evil oh. practices on the innocent how it's like a millstone, Just you know, the around worst. their neck, mm. and how angry Jesus became when that occurred. I mean, we read even in the summary of this day, like we know, and we know because we we read about Manasseh as a community through Lent. Like we read about him in Second Chronicles. Like we mm. know 
that at the very last he repented. Right. But because of the evil that he did, that the Lord said, like, my people are going to go into exile. Like, this is a result of your leadership and the way that you've led the people. And I wonder about that. It is like the last straw. But is there a piece in which, I mean, we've been really focusing on the kings and what they did. Like with Hezekiah, he also then consecrated and equipped the leaders. But Manasseh, like in verse 9, he caused them to stray, the people to stray, so that Mm -hmm. they did worse evil than the nations the Lord had destroyed before the Israelites. Is that part of the last straw thing, that the people themselves were so evil, do you think? I don't know. I mean, I would think so, Mm -hmm. yeah. And the thing about Manasseh's story— and its inclusion in the genealogy, yeah. I think it's an example of what we are capable of mm. as people. Yeah. I hope that you know our friends who are listening understand that we're not just wagging our finger of like, look how terrible they were, but like it grieves. Mm. You know, we don't we're not trying to be glib about things like you know, idolatry and child sacrifice. I can't Mm -hmm. even, my mind can't even comprehend Mm -hmm. the deep evil that that is. And just, so to read this is sobering because it's like, this is what we are capable of Mm -hmm. as humans and to see that we also have the opportunity and are capable of repentance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We are. And that God's mm-hmm. grace and and mercy and compassion, He listened to that prayer. Yeah. The Scripture says in mm-hmm. 2 Chronicles 33, right. the Lord was receptive to His prayer. Mm-hmm. And yes, His actions had devastating consequences. That's right. To me, it shows you know, there's that definition of the gospel that I'm not going to try to quote, but essentially like that you're you're worse off than you ever dared imagine or dream, you know, you're you're the worst. And also, you know, God's love and acceptance and mercy for you, grace for you is just more than you dare imagine. So like it's both. It's both yeah. things. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so, and I see that. I see that in Manasseh. I love in uh, the end of verse 13 there. So Manasseh came to know that the Lord is God. And then after that, he he builds yeah. the outer wall of the city of David, and he heightens it, and he places military commands. Anyway, he removes all the foreign gods, the idol, the Lord's temple. He does truly repent, and he does make a difference. But it doesn't change the consequences. You know, that that's okay. the hardest yeah. thing for us to absorb. Yeah. But what a truth is that saying we're sorry— and genuinely mm-hmm. repentance doesn't always yeah. remove the consequences for our choices. I mean, we right. have salvation. We have the promise of a hereafter with our good God. But there may be somebody we've wounded still on this planet. Or, you know, we may have crashed our car and, and hurt somebody desperately. Or we may mm-hmm. have abused a child or whatever. Saying or sorry is ultimately important. But mm-hmm. it doesn't always remove the physical and earthly consequences for our choices. Right. That's right. And repentance is not just feeling sorry or guilty. Mm-hmm. Repentance is turning 
away. And so just a silly example of that is our littlest lately of just, he is a walking, talking example of like Paul, like I do the things I don't want to do and I don't do the things I want to do. <laughs> like he knows what he should be doing mm-hmm. and he'll say, I'll just, you know, we'll correct him and he'll say, I'm sorry, I'm oh, sorry. And I'm like, baby. buddy, yeah. I forgive you mm-hmm. and if you're sorry, mm-hmm. please don't just say you're sorry. If you're sorry, then make a different choice. Mm-hmm. Like, or do the thing, you know, mm-hmm. that you're supposed to do, or stop doing the thing. He just wears it. Mm-hmm. Like, you can just see it. He's like, I want to, but I just can't, or I'm not mm-hmm. want. You can see the wrestle all over his face and his body. And so, you know, we can feel conviction and the weight and guilt of our sin and not turn mm-hmm. to the Lord. I think so much of the beauty of these stories is watching the turn that Mm -hmm. does happen in hearts, even the hardest hearts, and to see the God who calls us back. It's like Hosea, right? Like just who's just calling us back, return, return, return. I think we often disqualify ourselves. You know, we think, oh, yeah, I hear what you're saying. You know, I mean, I I hear that. And I know that that God can forgive me. I'm a little nervous, though, to truly repent because maybe I'm the big exception to what God can Mm -hmm. truly do. Or maybe I know full well I don't have the power to truly change. You know, I need to change this habit, this addiction, this attitude, this selfishness, this Mm -hmm. narcissism, this whatever Mm -hmm. I have clutched to my heart. And I... I try, I try, but like mm-hmm. we're saying, you know, mm-hmm. I, I wrestle. My wrestle is on the outside of me, and I, I, and I think that is another prison. I love that mm-hmm. song, "Break Every Chain, Break mm-hmm. Every Chain, Break Every mm-hmm. Chain," because the true act of repentance is really a work God does in us. You know, I can That's turn right. my heart toward Him, but He's the one who actually takes it and cleanses it and gives me the ability. It's like what Mm -hmm. Paul says back to him, you know, thanks be to God that now I have a choice not to sin, whereas before I didn't have a choice. I couldn't have made it any different. Mm. And I think so many of us disqualify ourselves thinking, you know, I'm the one big exception. And what I want to say is that I think our brokenness, when we put it in the hands of Jesus, for Him to redeem, not for us to spit polish up, but for him yep. to redeem can be the thing that further qualifies us. You know, that, that mm. if you don't like the story that you've written in your life, ask God to rewrite it. If you're not happy with the who you've become, then yield that who to a new creature mm. that God wants to create in you. I love my pastor always says, guess what, kids? God loves you, and there is nothing you can do about it. <laughs> I mm. just love that. Amen. Praise the Lord. My goodness. Elisa, thank you so much for being a guest with us this week on this Humanity Wednesday. (laughs) Um, It was a joy to talk with you. I mean, I just feel like even just like shepherded us and our community. Thank Mm. you so much for that. Mm. Well, we need each other. It's it's something that's concrete in this tree. There's not just one branch, ultimately one tree, the cross of Mm -hmm. Jesus, but we all are branches on it together.
Well, friends listening, if this is not your first time listening to the She Reads Truth podcast, then you can guess what I'm going to say. This is your encouragement. This is your launching pad to go into the week ahead and be women or men in the Word of God every day this week, to read the text, the primary source, not just, I mean, we're a secondary source at this point. You're hearing us talk about Scripture and even read Scripture, but I'm inviting you into the primary source to read it for yourselves, invite the Spirit to read it with you. And like we just talked about at the top of this episode, ask for wisdom. Mm -hmm. Ask for wisdom when you rise in the morning, ask for wisdom when you open God's Word, that it would be revealed to you. Like Mm -hmm. These are things that are available to you as sons and daughters of the King, the capital K King. That's my encouragement to you as you go into this week. Of course, please come back next week for week five of the Genealogy of Jesus series. I can't believe next week is the last week already. And then following that, we're going to open the book of Romans together as a community, which is going to be, I'm just really looking forward to that. That's going to be great. So until next week, Alisa, what do we tell our friends? Hey, keep opening your Bibles. There's something for you right now, every day. 